0: Welcome to The Middle, an exploration into the organisational layer that has the biggest impact on overall performance.
1: In The Middle this time, I want to explore issues around boundaries. Why? Since middle managers spend most of their time living within them, negotiating across them and applying judgement to borderline instances.
0: In this podcast series, Stephen Wilson from Birmingham City University discusses the issues with executives from both the private and public sectors. For alerts of the next programme, don't forget to click the follow button.
1: The topic of boundaries has arisen in at least 19 of the over 25 episodes of the Middle podcast series. There are numerous references to the challenges of managing across boundaries whether between territories, functions, and over-year ends. And what keeps surfacing is an underlying questioning of the rationale for boundaries, namely, the intuitive presumption that overall performance is best improved by measuring and incentivizing the performance within boundaries. The concern is that measuring and incentivizing such results distorts behaviours and can result in unintended consequences unless carefully managed. Let's start the ball rolling with Gavin Carr, from bottle gas company Calla in the UK.
2: So within the GB landscape, which is one business unit, the regional P&Ls were not enticed to collaborate. A lot of competition between them, actively encouraged competition, so they they could uh, get the most out of their own P&Ls.
1: Gavin illustrates the conflict across territory boundaries, resulting in a shift of focus away from customers, and instead onto internal disputes of us and them, and win and lose. There's a further illustration from Anthony Tatum from Big Cat Advertising Agency.
3: It's all about us, and and them lot are are the problem. Uh, But, you know, them lot, if they understood us, this
1: wouldn't happen. These boundary conflicts are between functions, and tend to drive them apart rather than encouraging collaboration. In addition to boundaries between territories and functions, boundaries can also exist between business units. A shared resource is likely to experience conflicting demands through differences in priorities, as illustrated by Paul Anderson from Deutsche Bank.
4: If somebody's sitting in a location, they have a functional manager, and that manager has a list of priorities that they think that individual should be focusing on. But they also have a local manager who is taking input from other places, and they have a set of priorities that they think the person should be working on, and those priorities might not always match. Like tectonic plates,
1: the parties across boundaries grind together, generating friction and heat as each relentlessly continues on their own path, without regard for any bigger picture. If such boundaries aren't managed appropriately, then human foibles will come to the fore, as described by Justin King ex-CEO of Sainsbury's. Sometimes the, you know, humans just are humans, and you have to make
5: sure the structure of your organisation reflects that sort of natural tendency to defend your bit of turf, even if actually in truth, it means the whole becomes less than some of parts.
1: So in the absence of what is often referred to as sensitive policing, skirmishing across boundaries can descend into personal conflicts, and the rule of personal power and ego, and the emergence of fiefdoms and silos. But that begs the questioning of sensitive policing to what end? Which set me on the quest to identify some shared objective, a counterpart through which differences across boundaries can be reconciled. Manny Desi from GP Practice Federation, SDS My Healthcare. Uh, the big
3: prize is the system benefit. The big prize is the system improvement. Um, because if we can achieve that, that's how we can release, or at least you know, stay within the, uh, the very finite resources we've got, but ideally release some of those and reinvest in the areas that, that we think uh, need, need to have that to
1: happen. Like cities springing up on tectonic boundaries, since this is where valuable minerals surface from the depths, gaining greater clarity of the overall organisational purpose can be richly rewarding.
2: And certainly inside Holmes, England.
1: This is Nick Walpley
2: reconnecting management to the purpose of the organisation and then asking some questions about how we go about fulfilling that purpose has been a really rich scene for us to go down because those things help you flesh out purpose from beyond how do we spend public money more effectively to meet the numbers.
1: So rather than focusing merely on the merits of performance improvements within boundaries, Decisions also need to be considered in the light of the impact on overall organisational purpose. But, isn't making profit for the shareholder the purpose of any organisation?
6: One of the key things that is a really good predictor of value creation is a sense of purpose that a company has.
1: This is Michael Carhill, who spent 16 years as a fund manager and investment broker.
6: And when I say that of course, what I mean specifically is one's purpose is not to make money. I want companies to make money, I want companies to make lots of money, but that is an outcome of doing what they do really, really well. You know, it's, it's sometimes, you know, I would say that you know profit is the applause for being really good at what you do.
1: Another way of thinking about being really good at what you do is in terms of improving customer processes. This external perspective is not intuitive for units that aren't customer-facing. Indeed, for such units, it's quite alien compared with concentrating on internal process changes to improve their local measures. Ruth Cook from Green Square Housing Association illustrates the tension.
5: If you're working within a process, for example, to let properties, how do you balance your desire to deliver your process as efficiently as possible? So to turn around an empty property as quickly as possible with the organisation outcome, which is actually if we match the right person to the right property, they will stay there for a very long time. And therefore, that's what we should be targeting.
1: So how can we imbue our organisations with this counterpart to the readily measured performance within our own boundaries that we can relate to so much more readily?
0: What you can do is have an overriding sense of what all of you are there to try and
1: achieve. This is Sue Unaman from Mediacom.
0: And in fact, an understanding that, you know, the enemy is not within the walls of your company the enemy may be the competition or, you know, uh, disruption, and that you need to rally together in order to um, ensure that everybody gets to grow.
1: Indeed, one of the maxims of dealing with internally facing functionaries is to take them out of the office. Demonstrate the issue rather than just describing it abstractly. Show, don't tell. Here's Mike again. The joy of purpose is it makes you
6: focused on the outside world and I think the job of leadership is to read what's going on in the outside world and the outside world is changing.
1: And some changes in the outside world mean a shift in dominance across another type of boundary, that between business units offering alternative customer solutions. The arrival of keyhole surgery threatened individual income streams of conventional surgeons resulting in turf wars where boundary conflicts can be particularly vitriolic. Business charters can define the boundaries between alternative offerings, but Deborah Cabman of the West Midlands Combined Authority surfaces the importance of thinking about how the overall purpose is embedded.
0: The vision that's clearly expressed from the top there, that might be political or from the executive level, but you've got to be absolutely clear about what it is we want to do, but more importantly, how you do it.
1: And within this how you do it, is the key aspect of the deliberate configuration and escalation of exceptions to policy at boundary thresholds. This crucial aspect is underscored by Nigel Riegler from South Gloucestershire Council. Many large
7: organisations over the years have fought, have fought against and tried to dismantle silos so that they have a very clear corporate direction of, of travel, very clear corporate priorities and you want the whole organisation um, in behind those silos doesn't help that um, does, doesn't help that corporateness if that if that's the um, if that's the phrase.
1: So what can be done to encourage reconciling advancing the organisational purpose with the drive for performance and efficiency within boundaries?
2: Looking back, I'm not sure as a leader I've always been clear enough about purpose for my colleagues.
1: Here's Nick Walkley again.
2: And too often, as well, we can take it as a given. Uh, And that's not enough where you're trying to bring together very disparate customer bases and managerial backgrounds uh, without that constant refocusing, reworking around, so what are we trying to achieve here and what does that mean? And not just in terms of KPIs, but those wider objectives. It it can be very easy for the organisation to trip back into silos, into defensiveness.
1: It's worth noting that within the silos that Nick mentions, Some individuals see their role only as a stepping stone in career progression within their function. The challenge is to get them to relate to and engage with contributing to the overall organisational purpose. Another characteristic is that silos can be particularly prone to erecting physical boundaries. Here Anthony reminds us that these need to be especially sensitively managed, particularly if managers perceive the need to be able to see their staff for reasons of control.
3: We've had four offices in three countries and offices with multiple rooms where creatives in one room and account management is in another and finance is somewhere else. And that um, distance, those barriers, if you're not very, very careful, causes uh, problems.
1: Not all organisations feature physical boundaries, as described by Asha Devi, a professional services company over
0: and we are integrated you know our uh, our teams all sit together and um, you know there isn't a facilities corner or a HR you know zone it's all on the same floor plates, we're all mixed up um, and it, and it
1: works. A boundless office layout may be appropriate given Arab's professional staff and management, but this is probably not appropriate between all functions in every organisation. Determining an appropriate policy is also likely to be influenced by the capabilities of middle management, an aspect that Nigel Riegler services when considering how far to delegate the configuration of each business unit.
7: And I do think there is a risk of individual services being able to make choices about what their operating um, model is I think that is where you have to trust the quality of your head of service and middle middle managers to understand what the the overall um, organisation's direction the travel is and design against what is it what is I guess accepted is the, 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 the corporate norms in terms of in our case what a council is 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 trying to um, achieve both at that service level and also at that corporate
1: level. Having explored some of the issues around boundary configuration, I now want to turn to the means of managing boundary conflicts. These can be categorised into tactical and strategic approaches, but again can be split into structural and cultural. Let's pick up with Paul at Deutsche Bank,
4: who illustrates a tactical approach in dealing with a conflict of priorities that we surfaced earlier. And those priorities might not always match. How to get them to match is a good old-fashioned get on the phone or sit in a room and talk it through and see if you can find some sort of compromise where both people are comfortable that if if their priority hasn't made the top of the list, at least they know why. Because it's the not knowing why that causes the frustration. It's, It's giving people that context to understand, yes, you think this person should be focusing on that, but right now they just have to focus on this other thing.
1: In addition to addressing functional boundary conflicts on a case by case basis, Anthony describes how middle managers can implement ongoing practices.
3: Those problems need addressing in a multifunctional interdisciplinary way with a referee <laughs> and regular a, a regular initiative to make to bang people's heads together in a work way but also in a fun way so social being social, whether it is a, a shared cafe, we talked about water cooler moments uh, earlier this week, We um, getting people together to work in interdisciplinary team to understand the human behind the problem, the business problem.
1: In addition to these tactical interventions to manage boundary conflicts, our contributors suggest two strategic approaches that can be used in conjunction. The first is through structural means, while the other is through cultural norms. Here's an instance of a structural approach from Justin King. You know, in the early days, we had logistics and uh,
5: retail were two separate divisions, and I couldn't uh, get to the bottom, really, of why they appeared to be two divisions at war. And um, I decided that one of the things we were going to have to do is put them into the same director, and that's what we did. It almost solved the problem overnight, because once they both thought that they were marching to the same director, they heard the same set of directions from that director. It's amazing the difference
1: uh, that it made. Similarly, Carluccio's ex-finance director, Frank Bandura, describes the area management role as a structural way of avoiding destructive competition across boundaries between restaurants in adjacent territories.
5: We certainly ran the business with with another level of of management. So we ran, you know, we had area managers who had responsibility for several profit centres. You know, perhaps um, perhaps this is this is one aspect of um, sensitive policing that 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 unfortunately you can't um, <laughs> you can't leave um, individuals up to their own devices. There has to be a system whereby somebody's just taking um, a slightly different perspective, a slightly wider perspective than, than might be the case with an individual running a profit centre.
1: Another instance of the application of both structural and cultural means of deterring boundary conflicts is described here by Simon Longbottom from the Stonegate Pub Company. So there are
7: dangers where you can go to Nottingham and find that three... Different four different area managers are pitching up in Nottingham, all with their own plans and thoughts and and, and they want to succeed. We've had a couple of experiments on sort of Nottingham town planning, but never been um, totally convinced that adding another layer of complexity onto what we're doing is going to deliver benefits. So we look very much for those informal mechanisms of a folk who get on, folk who are like-minded, folk who understand the mission, decent people who want to work well together and don't want to leg each other up.
1: This combined approach is reiterated by Sue Uneman, who brings in the complexity of the human desire to identify and belong to a particular group, despite the dual reporting lines of a matrix structure.
0: I also think that matrix management is a bit against human nature. So there's something about belonging to a tribe. And, you know, if you're in the client tribe, can you also be in the... You know the this the search tr- tribe, the, the, the and and I, it, look it's, it it's hard is the answer, but I think the best way to achieve that, and you know and we do need people to to report in a matrix management way. And what I've found in the past is that actually they'll, they'll switch allegiance, but they still want to have an allegiance to one tribe rather than the other and and you know you kind of can't stop that.
1: as part of a cultural approach to encourage appropriate boundary behavior, Jim DeWale from Keller Geotechnical Solutions describes signalling the desired behaviours through the reward system.
2: So engineers are ordinarily, you know, if they're presented with a problem, no matter where it is, they're sort of compelled to go and investigate it and, and help out. So that's one thing. But they would also notice that the people who are most successful in the organisation are the ones that have done this and have built their informal networks and have got involved in projects outside of their own myopic branch and therefore that culture has been reinforced that if you're really going to succeed in Keller
1: um, then those are the sorts of attributes that we would really like to see. But the real test of culture as a means of controlling behaviour across time boundaries is when financial performance is at risk. Consultant Ananda Roy recalls how Brazilian company Mondelez views the relative importance of results and behaviour. Mondelez
6: is very, very well known for making sure that it balances some of its commercial uh, goals with, with, with reinforcing the kinds of behaviours that they're very keen on in terms of their work cultures, and particularly their belief that working together and building consensus is far more important than a highly
1: quantifiable
6: metric for
1: performance. So Mondelez recognises and rewards behaviours that lead to contributions to purpose, despite the fact that it is more difficult to measure than on the basis of unit financial results. But the benefit is that borderline cases are addressed in ways that would otherwise leave them open for competitive entry. In Calagas' case, this would be customers on territory boundaries.
2: So we've tried to put together on a more national basis, become a bit less boundary-driven, th- those kind of grey areas where, yes, one day it could be uh, better service from depot A, uh, and the next day depot B would be better because it really sits in that grey area and depends on the routing
1: on the day. This vulnerability to competitive entry at inappropriately managed boundaries can be seen between territories and also at period ends. Cutting discretionary items to make the targeted numbers alienates customers, suppliers and employees. In every case we throw the organisational purpose under a bus. I want to conclude with observations about the pitfalls of managing these prominent time boundaries on the basis of short-term financial results. It seems appropriate to start with an observation from Finance Director Frank Bandura.
5: I think the understanding now amongst stakeholders is that making short-term decisions can undermine the value of the asset.
1: And this from Deborah Cabman.
0: So for me, you can deliver widgets... You know, you can deliver a 1,000 widgets a week and that's great, but if you do it in a way in which you alienate both your colleagues and the people that you're working to and with and for, then it's not right and it's certainly not going to be a sustainable model of delivery.
1: For evidence of the lack of sustainability, you need look no further than the UK's now defunct GEC and America's General Electric, now a shadow of its former self and facing potential bankruptcy. The management approach at each company obsessed with the measurement and control of short-term financial performance of each business unit. The implications on culture are profound. And indeed, over a reasonably short period, staff will self-select based on their tolerance for the inherent robust management behaviours.
0: The cost-cutting mindset you, you, is it's not good for productivity. If people are frightened to admit a mistake, if people are frightened to um, uh, fail, actually, then all you get is you get people hiding things and, as we said, gaming gaming the system.
1: When it comes to managing solely on the basis of short-term financial figures, another financier, Michael Carhill, should have the last word.
6: You know, we look at Tesco, you know, and the accounting scandals there. It was very much about how do we hit the numbers, you know, and Warren Buffett always said, you know, that any company that is in, whose intent is to make the numbers will at some point make up the numbers.
1: I started this exploration from what appeared to be unrelated references to a rather nebulous frustration with silos. Pulling these executive contributions together leads me to the conclusion that a potentially overlooked but key contribution of middle management is the configuration and management of boundaries. These might be territorial, time-wise, between business units or functions. It emerges that failure to deliberately design and manage boundaries threatens short and long-term success through unintended damaging consequences on the organizational purpose, leaving opportunities wide open for competitive entry. Addressing the issues appeared not to be a one size fits all but more response to questions whose responses depend on the nature of the enterprise. These include How can we emphasise the impact on organisational purpose when considering initiatives that are designed to improve the performance within boundaries? In order to gain the desired behaviours which elements of structure and culture should be applied in the design and management of boundaries? and at each boundary, what thresholds and paths of escalation are appropriate for the application of suitable judgment. This is by no means the last word on boundaries. In a future episode, I want to explore how organisational size influences the design of boundaries, as well as exploring issues around the need for ownership of issues and reconciling specialisation and generalisation.
0: The Middle was conceived and produced by Stephen Wilson. For notifications of future episodes, just click the follow button. Thank you for listening.